Well, good morning, Maranatha Bible Church. It is so good to be with you. Um, and uh, I'm looking into the camera, and I just wanted to say welcome, those of you that are live streaming with us. It has been an emotional roller coaster this week for my wife and I. Uh, our children, well, our two daughters went back to Thailand. They teach in Thailand. It has been a rough road for them over the last month of trying to get back with COVID tests and restrictions and embassy. And it has been an emotional roller coaster from one day them not going back to another day of them going back. And so Wednesday, my wife and I said goodbye to our two daughters, which was very difficult. And uh, they flew and they're in Thailand now. They are being quarantined for two weeks. And so I'm going to take a liberty this morning. Amanda and Nicole, I want to just thank you so much. Mom and dad love you so much. Thank you for taking the risk of going and being a disciple for Christ to the ends of the earth. I trust and pray you would have an incredible year at school and that God would sustain you. We love you and we thank you and we are so, so proud of you. So I just want Also, you may not know, but uh, at the end of August here, I am making a transition out of Maranatha Bible Church. This will always be my church, but I am going to be and am now the executive director of Equip Ministries International, where we train overseas pastors. We've not had an opportunity to go overseas this year. If you've ever seen the face of a disgruntled missionary, it is right here. Uh, we desperately want to get overseas, and so uh, uh, starting uh, September 1st, I will be uh, full-time with Equip Ministries International, and I just want to take, again, another liberty this morning to say thank you. Thank you for ministering to me over the years. Thank you for our Tuesday morning men that get up at 5.30 in the morning. Who does that unless you are so godly, you know? <laughs> Thank you for the Thursday night men's study. Thank you for the opportunity to come in here and the Family Life Center and to be able to preach God's word. You have always, always given me a very warm reception, most of you. And I want to just thank you. Thank you for that. It has been a joy to be able to shepherd if every church would have the attitude of loving God's word, where we talk about connecting and growing and serving together. If all of us would continue to rally together, there's nothing that we can't do with the help of God. And so I'm so grateful for the opportunity that the Lord has given me over the last 12 years to be at Maranatha. And uh, I'll still be around. I'll still be preaching from time to time if they let me. And uh, so I am grateful for you and thank you for ministering to me and my family. And I hope in some way the Lord has allowed me to be able to shepherd you uh, during those highs and those lows uh, in your life as well. So let's pray together as we open up God's word. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for another day, another opportunity to exalt your name this morning. What a great time for us to be in church. And as Jay said, a great time for us to be able to share the love of God, to live out the love of God uh, in this crazy time in our life. We pray that this morning, the church would not just be church today. But that, Lord, you would put something on our heart that you wouldn't just capture our attention, but you would capture our heart for your word and for your love each and every day. And we pray, Lord, you would just open up our hearts now as we look at your word, that we would walk out this morning and we would say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are sustaining, loving, consistent, patient, forgiving, all-knowing, all-powerful God. That is who you are. And you never let go. And we thank you. 
And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. On a commuter flight from Portland, Maine to Boston, Massachusetts, pilot Henry Dempsey is on board with his co-pilot. He hears an unusual noise coming from the rear of the airplane. So he hands the controls off to his co-pilot and goes back to assess the problem to see what's going on. As he's walking back, the airplane hits an air pocket and hurls Henry Dempsey to the back of the airplane. He immediately sees what's going on. Prior to takeoff, someone had failed to latch the rear door. And when the plane hit the air pocket, the rear door swung open and hurled Henry Dempsey out of the plane. The co-pilot immediately seeing that red light that indicated that there was an emergency and that there was a door ajar, immediately called the nearest airport for an emergency landing. He also asked that a helicopter be dispatched to look at that area of the ocean where Henry Dempsey had fallen out. When they landed, they found Henry Dempsey. Remarkably, somehow, when he was being swept out of that door, he grabbed onto the outside ladder of the aircraft. Going at 200 miles an hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet, he hung on. He said this, I kept my eyes on the horizon as I began to see the plane descending in altitude. When I saw the runway in sight, I knew I could hold on till we landed. I love this. Upon landing, it took airport personnel several minutes to pry Dempsey's fingers <laughs> from the ladder. I think all of us this morning, whether you're in the auditorium or whether you're at home, I think all of us can, can relate to just hanging on these days, can't we? Even the strongest at times lose their grip. And for many of us, when life throws us a curve, and it does throw us a curve, when life throws us a curve, it's easy to want to quit. It's easy to want to just give up. It's easy to just say, I don't care, and we just give in. But God desires that we not just hang on during these crazy, crazy seasons of life, but that we hang on and live our life with the end in sight. Because when we live our lives with the end in sight, there is a hope that we have that the world does not have that we can live life with the end in sight, no matter how tough it gets. Which reminds me of Billy Ocean. How many of you remember the 80s and Billy Ocean, the one-hit wonder musician, who sang the song, when the going gets tough, the what? Yeah, that was about his only hit. But we know it today. That couldn't be more true than the passage that we're going to look at this morning in Jude. Jude 17 to 25, meet me if you would this morning in June, Jude 17 to 25, second to last letter in the New Testament. Now as you're turning there this morning, if you'll remember last week, Jude is all fired up about writing a letter to these Jewish Christians who uh, uh, he loves and he cares for, and he's excited about writing a letter about the common salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ for those who would put their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But at the last second, Jude switches gears, and he decides instead to write, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the need to address the onslaught of false teaching 
that is infiltrating and slithering into the church. And so he stops his original purpose in order to deal with the crisis of contending or fighting for the faith. We see that in the first couple of verses of Jude of the importance of fighting and contending for the faith. I want you to be aware of something. I think you know it already. But if Jude would be talking about apostasy and false teaching going on in the first century, then you can rest assured that there's false teaching and apostasy going on in the 21st century today. And so, really. And so, uh, follow along. I've put Jude 17 to 25 up on the screen for us to be able to just follow along. Listen to what it says. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is, though, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ the Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. What a great, great passage this morning. I want to give you four words this morning that you can hang on to when you're living life with the end in sight. Four words that will capsulize for you and help you to remember that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And that we can make it through this time and next week and next year and however long the Lord has us taking a breath on this earth. So the first word I want just to help you to understand and know is the word remember. Say that with me. Remember. Say it with, say it with conviction. Remember. To remember. Now listen, there are a number of things in Scripture that tells us that we need to remember. We need to remember the cross. We need to remember, remember the resurrection. Remember communion. Remember baptism. Remember how we are to live lives holy and acceptable to God. There's a lot of things that we're to remember. But Jude specifically in these verses tells us that there is something important that he wants us to remember that the apostles predicted. And we should be asking the question as we look at this passage, well, what did the apostles predict? That is so important that we are to remember what they are. Well, we see it in these first number of verses in 17 through 19. He says, in these last times or last days. Do you see it there? Now, just take a, a quick, a quick uh, time out. Whenever you hear the reference of last times or last days, it is a reference from the time that Christ ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father after his resurrection and that time in between him ascending to the Father and the time that he is coming back to bring us home. It's the time that he will return, the second coming of Christ. So when Jude says, here's what the apostles predicted in these last days or last times, is this time. We live in this time, in these last days. He says there will be scoffers or false teachers who will come on the scene and teach what is contrary to Scripture. 
they will mock, they will ridicule, they will scoff, they will laugh at the name of Jesus. They will mock and scoff his resurrection. They will mock and scoff that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They will mock the fact that we desire to live holy lives acceptable to God. They will mock that. They will mock our morality. They will mock the the name of Jesus and that he is God in the flesh. All of these things. And to put it bluntly, Jude said, these individuals are driven by ungodly passions. They treat the principles of God's word as if they were a joke. This is who we're dealing with. And Jude says, hey, you need to be on the alert because there is false teaching that so quickly can slither into the church and you need to be aware of it. I want to tell you something. False teaching rarely will be blatant. Rarely will be blatant. For those of us who are Bereans in the Lord and we know the word of God even a little bit, if someone teaches something that is false, it's blatant. We see it right away. But when it's subtle, that's the more difficult. It's more difficult to see the truth from the lie. And these false teachers are very subtle. If you don't know the truth, you'll fall to error every time. Now, if you remember last week, Jude told us a little bit about these false teachers. Uh, He tells us in verse 4, for certain people have crept in unnoticed. He says, they have perverted the grace of our God into sensuality. Uh, Verse 12, they are shepherds feeding themselves. Uh, They are waterless clouds. They are fruitless trees, wild waves of the sea. And then in verse 12, he calls them hidden reefs. That's a beautiful picture of a false teacher. That everything looks great on the surface. It seems as if they're coming across as being flawless. But underneath, they're like a hidden reef. That, that, that as, a, as a ship goes through and there's a hidden reef, it will damage the hull of their ship. And as us believers going through life, if we are susceptible to false teaching, it will damage our heart, our soul. It's only, the only way we're going to be able to detect what is false is by focusing on what is true. The only way that we're going to be able to detect if something is false is by focusing on what is true. I have in my wallet this morning a $100 bill. I have so many of them, it's not even funny. (laughs) This is a true, authentic $100 bill. I don't look at a fake, counterfeit $100 bill to see if it's true or not. I don't put a fake $100 bill up to another fake $100 bill. I look and see what the true $100 bill is. And I study it and study it and study it and spend it. And, and I can tell when I see something different, it doesn't line up. It's a fake I don't look at something that is false to determine what is true. I look at what is true in determining what is false. So I know this is an authentic $100 bill, but I also have a bill in my pocket that has my face on it, okay? It's a $1 bill that has my face on it. Now, I think it's worth a lot more than a a dollar, okay? (laughs) But I don't think the bank would say that. How would you know? You see it immediately. You see my mug shot on the front and you'd go, that is not, who's on the dollar bill? 
George Washington. Is it George? Yeah, it's George Washington. I'm so used to having Craig Peters on it. Um, uh, you would know it's blatant. All that to say the enemy, the enemy that Jude is talking about is so subtle. We need to be aware of that. Don't get too comfortable here at Maranatha Bible Church. That will be tested time and time again. The subtlety of something. Let me tell you about subtlety before we move on. So we're in Columbus dropping our girls off. Good to see you. And uh, uh, we're dropping them off. We're coming home and Ann says, I'm a little hungry. She goes, I could use a cheeseburger and a Coke. So we pull into the drive-thru at, at McDonald's and I see a sign there that says $3 bundle. It shows a picture of a double cheeseburger, French fries, and a large Coke. And I'm like, let's do it. We went up, we ordered three, or we ordered two, three, ordered two of the $3 bundles, came through, and when we got to the lady, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to give you our soft drink of what we wanted. She goes, the soft drink isn't, it's not included in the bundle. I said, What? She said, yeah, that small print underneath that giant mega Coke <laughs> says soft drink not included in the bundle. And I looked at her and I goes, that's deceptive. And she goes, well, it's there. Now, am I going to start signing a petition and say no more bundle, no more bundle? But I will do this. I won't get it again. I've learned a lesson. It's subtle. That's how God sees what's going on. That's what Jude sees it's going on in this passage. The false teaching has become subtle. Just with a, by way of a question, how many of you over the last four or five months at some time have either said or thought, I am done. I'm done. I want to just go home. I want to just be with the Lord. I am so tired of all of this that is going on right now. I just am done. Because nothing seems consistent anymore. And our morals are constantly being challenged. And what we know to be right and true from the word of God is being tweaked every now and then. Nothing is consistent except deception. My good friend Jim Creed this week gave me a quote from A.W. Tozer that says this, we must meet the certainties of this world with the certainty of the world to come. And there's something far better for us. So if you're in this time like all of us are where it's a crazy season of life, there's something so much better for us as we live with the end in sight. But remember, remember what's going on out there. And let's not put our heads in the sand acting as if there's nobody undermining the word of God today in our culture because they are. They are undermining the word of God. And what a wonderful and beautiful time for us to be able to take a stand for what we know to be true and right. This is a call to persevere that Jude gives us by keeping our eyes on the end in sight. If we focus on the here and now, we're going to be discouraged, we're going to be deceived. We're going to be exhausted, and we're going to doubt. And Jude says, remember what you've been told. 
These people, Jude tells us, follow their own ungodly passions. They will cause division to arise in the church. They will seek to promote themselves as superior rather than adhering to the word of truth. And they are devoid of the spirit of God. That's important. They are devoid of the spirit of God. Jesus tells us this in Matthew 7, verses 14 and 15, I'm sorry, 15 and 16. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are what? Ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits, by their behavior, by their subtlety. Church, we have come too far to turn around. We've come too far to stop. We've come too far to ignore what we know to be true year after year after year. So do not let these scoffers, do not let these false teachers try to deceive us or sway our thinking. Hold on and live life with the end in sight. That is the first word, remember. Here's the second word, remain. Say it with me. Remain. Say it with conviction. Remain. Um, he goes on, he says, but you, now whenever you see the word but in scripture, it's a contrast from what you used to be to where you are now. Ephesians 2 is a prime example. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, but because of the great grace of God, we have been saved not according to our own merit or deed, but according to his great grace. But it's a change, a contrast. He says, but for you, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. How do we build ourselves up in the faith? Individually and corporately. Through the word of God. It is through the word of God that we build our faith up each and every day. It is through the word of God that rallies us. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God remains forever. And so building ourselves up in the word of God. His word rallies us together as the body of Christ. And then he says, praying in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, we see it at the end of Ephesians 6. Paul says this. Now Jude is saying this. It basically means that our prayer is in harmony with what the spirit of God desires in leading us into all truth. The spirit of God will always lead us in truth. And so pray in the spirit that my prayers would be in harmony with what God would desire. Are we building ourselves up in the faith or are we being duped into listening to other voices today? We cannot be anchored in our faith as long as we're building our thoughts and life on something other than Christ. A couple of weeks ago, our family went up to Niagara Falls. We couldn't go to the Canadian side. So we stayed on the American side. And I'm always amazed. How many of you have been to the Niagara Falls? I'm always amazed. No matter how many times you've gone, it is just breathtaking. Every time you go up and you see the magnitude of the falls plummeting 180 feet. And the horseshoe over in uh, the Canadian side and the American. 180 feet. That's 18 stories high. That puts out, are you ready for this? 75,000 gallons of water a second. A second. That would fill up over a million bathtubs every minute. Every minute. The sheer power of the falls is unbelievable. But what you may not know is that up the river, where it's not as 
rapid, and it flows more gently, the Welland River and the Niagara River converge, and that is prime walleye fishing. And there will be tons of boaters that are up there as those two rivers converge, and then that river goes down over the falls. And so you've got to be careful if you're a boater. You've got to know how to maneuver your boat. And so there is an old historical bridge called the O'Reilly Bridge that if you go under, you better be careful because shortly thereafter, the rapids begin and then the falls. Years ago, somebody on one of the pylons on the O'Reilly Bridge wrote this. Do you have an anchor for boaters? Followed by, do you know how to use it? Friends, do you have an anchor? Do you know how to use it? Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves going over the falls. And Jude says, but as for you, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Uh, Praying to the Spirit. Uh, Remain, abide, obey is what he is telling us. There there is enough division going on outside of the church today. We don't need it coming into the church today at all. And so it is a wonderful time for us to remember the truth and to remain in the truth. Building ourselves up in the faith both individually as well as corporately. Keep yourselves, it goes on, it says keep yourselves in the love of God. This simply means we consistently live for the things that God loves. We consistently live for the things that God loves. Trusting that he is in control. Everybody look up here for a second. If we teach that God is sovereign and that he is in control of all situations at all times, then right now we need to trust that he's sovereign. We need to trust that he's sovereign. And so Jude is helping us to see that. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, he tells us in verse 21. In other words, we are, we are looking forward to the Lord's return. How many of you are looking forward to the Lord's return? I mean, in seasons like that, it's like, I am ready. I am out of here. Looking forward, his great mercy that he is coming to take us home. The return of Jesus Christ. It's his great mercy that has saved us. He is saved. It's not according to works, not according to merit, not according to looks. Sorry, I didn't mean to point at you. Not according, certainly not according to looks, okay? He didn't save us according to any of that. He saved us by his great mercy. His great mercy. I think we would probably have to say amen when I say this world is falling apart. But this is also a wonderful time that the world needs Jesus. He need, the world needs to hear about Jesus. It's not a time for us to lay down. It's not a time for us to say, hey, the Lord will take care of it. He will. But it's a time for us to remember and remain in him. Which really brings us to our third word this morning that challenges us to live life with the end in sight. And that is the word rescue. Say it with me rescue, rescue. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word rescue. But Jude says this, 
he says there are three really groups of people that have been confused and have been taken captive by false teachers. This is our responsibility. The first group of people are rescue those who doubt in verse 22. Rescue those who doubt and have mercy on those who doubt. Meaning to show mercy, to show compassion on those who are being led astray by their doubts, their fears, their uncertainties in life. Don't give up on them. You know why? Because there's many of us sitting here this morning that went through a time of doubt before we came to know Christ. And someone was merciful enough and compassionate enough to come alongside and share with us the good news of Jesus. So don't give up on people who have doubts. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone you work out with. Uh, maybe it's, a, it's a, a neighbor. But there will always be people around us that will doubt. Instead of us saying, fine, you doubt, you go on your way. No, help rescue those who doubt. That's the first group of people. The second group of people is rescue those who are in danger. This is a powerful, powerful verse. It says this, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. This is a reference to snatching somebody out of the uh, precariously uh, eternal punishment that people are so close to going to today. I love that word snatching. To snatch. It's not like, come on, let's go. Have you ever seen the YouTube videos of where a, a, a little child will be on a little tyke scooter going down a hill and the father sees that and realizes the child is headed right towards a fence and at the last minute you see the father running as fast as he can down that hill and just before that child goes into that fence, he snatches up that child and the child does this and that scooter goes slamming into the fence. This is what Jude is talking about. That we have that opportunity to snatch quickly because the times are drawing near. There are people that we know, we've talked about everything we can possibly talk about with our friends, but we never ever shared about Christ. What a great opportunity right now for us to snatch. For us to be able to say, you are headed to eternal fire. And so rescue those who are in danger. And then rescue those who are defiled. But be careful. This third group is compromised of the unsaved, uh, who, do n who, who are not only deceived, but also promote the deception. You see that today? Don't you see that in our world today? They're not only deceived, but they're promoting that deception as well. And Jude says, rescue those who are defiled, but be careful. He says, show mercy with fear, meaning caution, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. In other words, a Jewish person would have a robe on, but underneath that robe would be an undergarment, what we would often call underwear. I think you're familiar with that. And, and he's saying this, he's saying, like a stained undergarment that has all kinds of germs, Jude is saying we must be careful when dealing with people who have been stained or contaminated by air, because air can become contagious. Error, we can get drawn in. And he's saying, rescue those who are defiled. You know anyone who's defiled these days? 
You know anybody that is so far off the spectrum, so far off the radar when it comes to spirituality? They don't care about God. They mock God. And we would say, they're hopeless. No, no one is hopeless with Jesus. And so here are people that are defiled and they're promoting that, that defiled by their actions. And yet he says, go after them, but be careful that you're not drawn in as well. Remember, remain, rescue. Here's our last word this morning as we live life with the end in sight. And that is the word rely. Oh, friends, there's a lot of things that people are relying upon these days. We're relying upon the government. Yeah, right. We're relying upon a particular political party. Yeah, right. We're we're relying upon our own efforts. We're relying upon the stock market. We're relying upon all these different things. But that's not what the word of God says. The righteous, the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous run to him and are safe. Rely upon the Lord. We come now to one of the greatest passages at the end of any letter about the assurance and the security of the Lord. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, some of your translations may say, or stumbling. I love this. This is a military term, meaning to guard or watch. Now to him. Who's the him? Tell me. Jesus. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. This means that the Lord is at his post, guarding us against any attack of the enemy. Proverbs 3, 26, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from stumbling. As we rely upon the Lord, he will keep us and present us blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Don't just skim over that. See, Jesus didn't just die for us to get to heaven. He died so that we would live a blameless life now so that when we get to heaven, we enter with great joy and not regret. That we would arrive with great joy. I love this. To the only God. That's where a false teacher would say something different. To the only God, our Savior. That's where a false teacher would say something different. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now watch what Jude does. It's kind of this building, 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 building. And at the end, he shares some things about the attributes and character of Jesus that would cause anyone to go, amen, both now and forevermore. He says this. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Really, all praise and powers on him. God is in control throughout all times, both now and forevermore. Amen. Therefore, we, we, we can always rely on him to keep us from stumbling. Friends, listen, this is an incredible time for us to be living for the Lord with the end in sight. But it's also a time for us to be sharing the great love of Jesus with others. And whether it's across the street, whether it's across the pew... Or whether it's across the pond in a different country, we have that great privilege and opportunity to share our own rescue story of how Jesus Christ has delivered us. It's an incredible time for us to be living with the end in sight. I want to close this morning from a song off the Road Out of Eden album of the Eagles. Yeah? Did you ever think you'd hear that, church? The Eagles. This is a song called Hole in the World. I want to give you a little background on this. 
They were planning, the eagles were planning. How many of you are familiar with the eagles? Not, not a bird, okay? The eagles. They were planning on going in and recording this song on 9-11. And when 9-11 hit, it ruined everything. When they went in the recording studio and recorded this song, it brought on a whole different meaning for them. Listen to these lyrics. There's a hole in the world tonight. There's a cloud of fear and sorrow. There's a hole in the world tonight. Don't let there be a hole in the world tomorrow. You and I have an opportunity to remember what the apostles have predicted. To say, you know what? I need to test everything according to the word of God. I want to be led astray by false teaching. We have the great privilege to be able to remain in the Lord and build ourselves up in the most holy faith in his word and praying in the spirit. We have the great opportunity to be able to, to rescue those who are, are doubting and defiled and, and in danger. And we have the great privilege every single day, every single day, church, to lean on him. Because right now, that's all I have. I can't lean on my daughters right now. They're in quarantine. I can't lean on my son. I love him deeply, but he's going to let me down. I can't lean on my wife. She will let me down. Rarely, but she will let me down. What a beautiful time for us as a church to lean on the great grace of our Lord Jesus Christ all the way to the end. All the way to the end. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, as we sit here, there are many people that we have spent years with that you know personally, I'm wondering how many people are here today that they don't have a relationship with you. Oh, that the times are so short in these days that we would yield our life to you, that we would find ourselves receiving you as our Savior into our life for the forgiveness of sin for eternal life. And Lord, if we know you, but maybe we haven't been living for you, this is a day, this is a time that as we leave, we would be reminded through your Spirit I want to live life with the end in sight. Lord, would you encourage us? Would you give us that hope? Would you help us to hang on when we feel like letting go all the way until we touch down and we see your glorious face? We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.